Sifu, so how much would you say that some of the other teachers that you've had have, in, have been an inspiration for you? Because it sounds like the first gym that you studied at was very renaissance for its time. Well, the first, I started really with Robert Smith, and he was very, very good at training the basics. And I think that provided me with a very good, solid foundation that, mm. you know, in any, any art, any practice, the foundation is everything. You know, you, we all do that. We all want to jump and get to the, the advanced stuff, right? Right. You really got to learn from the, from the beginning. I, I, now that I'm not traveling as much with pandemic, things changed much more online and, mm-hmm. you know, not all the schools survived. Uh, starting to travel again now. It's more and more seminars are coming back, but it's not every other weekend like it was. I used to go to the airport so many times people would recognize, you know, you're going too much <laughs> when the people at the desk say, weren't you just here? Yeah. <laughs> but then we just see you last weekend. Yeah. Uh, the TSA guys are waving you through. Yeah, yeah we, no, know, no, we know. Unfortunately, not that well, but you know, the people at the, the United counter at least, but, um, uh, I started practicing my bonsai again. I really like, I really enjoy that. So now that I'm not traveling as much, I can, I can do that. And one of the things I'm watching is the guys who are really top level of that watching how they wire, you know, you have to wire the branches to, to put them where you want. And so it probably sounds very arrogant of me to say this, but I feel like I've got a good artistic sense of what to do, but I have to know how to execute that. And watching those guys work, you know, the eyes, okay. Because uh, I mean, maybe because I'm used to watching martial arts too to see how somebody did that mm-hmm. helps. And you've got to have the foundation stuff. You can't go right to, you can't say, Oh, I want to learn sword fighting. You just start fighting. Well, no. You have to deflect properly. You have, where's the position? What are the cuts? You don't want to wait forever either. First, first weekend seminar kind of me, you'll, you'll be doing sword play, you know. Uh, it'd probably be bad sword play, but so what? You're going to do sword play. Um, so Robert Smith was great that way. We would stand in bow postures sometimes the whole class. Uh, you almost mm-hmm. were standing in a puddle of your own sweat toward the end there, you know? So we would stand, you know, I don't know how long it was, several minutes, and then you'd move to the next and hold that, and then move the next, hold that. Uh, so body mechanic wise was very good, structure wise. And, um, uh, he really, really, Stuck to the principles, you know, the waste is absolute commander. There's no funny stuff, you know, those kinds of things. Um, and also because of Robert Smith, I knew who, you know, who people were. So I went to, uh, I knew who Titi Leon was, for example, mm-hmm. and knew that this was a guy because early on, I realized that, so I, re- I started realizing there's a lot more to Taiji Chen than I had, had known when I came in. And sword work, for example, swords and weapons are important in the system because there are strength training. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, yes. uh, especially yep. like spear, spears. When yep. I was going to tournament, I just worked a spear like a demon, you know, because you, you had to have a lot, especially international level. You really had to have a lot of power. Other things are important, but you had to check that power box. If you were good at everything else and you had me- medium power, you weren't getting past the first round. You had to have power to knock somebody on their ass with a palm strike. If you didn't, forget mm-hmm. it. And spear. You just do spear, spear, more spear. <laughs> so your arms are just like noodles. You can't lift it anymore. Uh, so weapons training was important for that. And so I got started. And I'd, I'd been interested in 
swords earlier in life and I sort of got back to it. And so I went to Titi Liang for that. Um, and I was only with him very briefly, but sometimes I mean, when somebody is at that kind of really special level, sometimes just something just clicks, you know, like I honestly couldn't fudging. I did, I, you know, I was, everybody's trying to figure out how to do that. It's just like, you know, let's, you try and try and it doesn't, it's not working. And Titi Liang had an old Jin, a, a Qing Jin, Qing period one. And he'd like to do this to people. He was, he was, uh, he would like to make fun of people. He would joke people. And he took his gen and he did this, uh, movement, uh, bung, bung or tiao where you spring, you sink and you spring the blade flicks up. You can use it as a, as a cut underneath or you can use it as a beating movement to deflect. Uh, mm-hmm. and the blade, if you do it well, the blade will quiver and, uh, cause it's a springy blade and he'd do that and he'd go, Bing! and he was, God, that tiny must have been. 80s and he and it would vibrate like you know big vibration and then he'd give it to people and he'd go here you try and they of course they try really hard like with their arm they'd go, with the arm and it would go zip, and it would pop up and it would be dead still <laughs> yep. and tt would go oh look all, st- all muscles no strength <laughs> he'd make fun of me <laughs> but he did that and, he, I, and i kind of expected he was going to do that visiting him at his home and he did that and i and I didn't get it. I couldn't do it. Mine also was dead still. It wasn't by me. And he laughed and he joked, kidded me, you know, and I said, do it again. I handed it back. I said, do it again. And he did it again. I said, let me see. And cause some, just watching him, ah, something clicked and boom. And then I could do it. Hmm. So I think that boom, that instantaneous is something, ah, is it, I somehow I saw that spine worked, have a spine connected to the legs and boom. And then I could, I couldn't do it very well, but I could do it. And once you sort of crack that, okay, if I can do it there, then how do I do it? That's sinking. How do I do that thrusting? How do I mm. do that? And then slowly, you know, okay, it's like cracking the code. Yeah. First, you can only read a little bit of the secret message, but now, oh, okay. Now bit by bit, even more and more and more falls into place. Um, so that was, uh, I was very lucky that way, you know, that, that, there was somebody else there with me at the same time. We didn't get it. So, mm-hmm. you know, I have to have those foundation building blocks, you know, that foundation training, or you're not going to, and then, you know, just something has to happen. It clicks. Uh, and then I also went to study with William Chen up in New York. I used to go up once a month. Uh, they're really great guys there too. You know, uh, Dave Pankarisian and, uh, Tom Otterness and, uh, Rick Barrett, Barrett. Those guys were back in the day, back then, push hands tournaments those guys were all really really people to contend with so i'd go up and work with them and and of course william chen was probably the most generous teacher that i've ever met you all he always pushed hands with everybody every Mm -hmm. class and sancho he went with everybody so that was really great and 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 his push hands i mean like he was so fast like you could not he could just his hand could come out, touch you so lightly, like you barely felt it. And then his lightning bolt would go through it that would either spin you around or knock you on your ass. Um, but I had to earn that. I had to, you know, he didn't do that. He didn't blast everybody like that. You had to earn it with him, but he pushed hands with everybody. Uh, I think he just had his 90th birthday, Master Chen. Wow. Uh, he was always very, very nice guy, really easygoing. Uh, it was, it was kind of a lark driving through New York City with him because he drove really slow through Manhattan. It's going like 10 miles an hour and everybody else, and he never looked. He didn't look where he was going. <laughs> He'd be looking at you sideways talking as he was turning to the left and I was sitting next to him and he was in the right. 
And he, and he just, cause he went so slow. It didn't matter. People just <laughs> went around him and, Oh, I don't know how it was like this. It was because I was used to driving being from Jersey, you know, going to the city all the time and you just drive. It's great. You know, you could drive like a demon through, through the city, you know, and he was the exact opposite. He was so relaxed. He was really far song, this guy. And I, and I can tell you one funny story. One night, uh, I was training at his school and I wanted to do an article. Uh, Sancho. So after class, we went out to a local coffee shop there and, and, uh, the diner place. And, you know, I interviewed him and they were walking back. My, my car was parked in front of his school. And as we came up to the school, um, and I guess I was probably about a, I don't know, five, five year practitioner then. So still real, real, relatively young and really you know, lots to learn. And on the corner there was a topless bar there. And this guy comes out staggering. He's clearly very, very drunk. And he almost runs like, runs, runs into me, you know, and he tries to pick a fight with me. And I'm thinking, and I, and, and I didn't handle it well. I was saying like, Oh man, I got to punch this guy out in front of the teacher, you know, cause he was sort of my, my back was to my car and he was there. I should have just slipped away, you know, I, I, but I let myself get stuck there. And I'm just thinking like, I don't want to. He was drunk, you know. What's the point of punch out a drunk guy? Mm-hmm. And Master Chen was he slipped in between us and he pushed the guy very gently, just not knock him over, but just keep him off balance. And the guy said, said, he's like, Oh no, no, you want to fight, you fight me. You come back tomorrow. Here, my school is here. Come back tomorrow, we'll fight. And he just very gently pushed the guy, like it was pushing. The guy actually yielded pretty well, come to think of it, because he was so drunk. You know? <laughs> he could have just given this guy the littlest push, right? He would have fallen over. And Master Chen just pushed him just right. And then the guy kind of stepped back and said, what do you know, karate or something? And he did some silly pose. And Master Chen just kept saying, no, no, tomorrow, come back tomorrow. We have classes. Go ahead. And the guy then staggered off. And I thought, man, that was, that was really good Taiji Chen, you know, because talk about sticking and following. Right. See, my, my, my response was wrong. Like do nothing or hit the guy, you know? Right. And I didn't want to hit him because like, you know, it couldn't defend himself. There's no reason to hit him, but you know, I was kind of, uh, what should I do? And I said, Chen, just see, it was exactly the right level of stuff. He didn't knock him down. Right. He didn't push him away. He didn't let him get close or do anything that, he, you know, where he might do something stupid and take a swing at you. And then the guy just. But also invited him to take class. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so, yeah, awesome. That was great. That's that a was great story. Was, he, he was, he's, he is a great guy. So, so I think the thing that, that was lucky for me is that because I knew Robert Smith and Robert Smith knew those guys, it sort of one door opened the next door for me, you know? So like when I went to visit Titi Liang, Titi Liang knew Wang, and I was already, I'd already been studying with Wang Yinyin. And he knew Wang Yinyin back, of course, from Taiwan days. And he actually also had studied actually with Wang Yinyin. Hmm. Yi Liang did. So he knew who I was before I got there. You know, not that I was somebody. I'm not trying to say I was somebody, but he knew, oh, that guy's a student of Wang Yinyin, who was somebody he knew and respected. And so, and, and oh, he also had studied with William Chen. Okay. So he, one guy knew the other guy. And then that, that helps sort of, you know, it's like your Taiji uncles. You know, that's great. And it sort of opened, helped to open up doors and smooth things, uh, uh, out for me. So Mm -hmm. I extend myself to be really very, very fortunate this way. So go ahead. Oh, if you've got one, I've got, I've got one. Okay. 
So we were talking about seminars, Sifu. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us about your last big one? You had something special that you just, uh, well, yeah, we just up. had a couple this, uh, this winter. Um, I did two, uh, one here and one in, in England, uh, for instructors, uh, training. And those were all constant sword play. So it wasn't so much, uh, no instruction really, you know, this technique or that technique, just go play full, full on full contact sword with the, you know, full weight weapons. This is what you're doing wrong. This is what you're doing wrong. Try this step here, you know, whatever. Uh, one we had in England was actually rather in Scotland was really nice because we rented a castle for that. So that was really cool. Um, castles are a great place to have things because everybody has a room. You have a big kitchen to make food and a big table for everybody to sit at. And you also have a, a great hall, which comes your training hall. So if you have a lot of people that actually works out quite well, unfortunately, we don't have any castles here in the U.S. that we can get, but there's quite a few in Europe. I found a good one and a well-placed one for us. And, and that was great. One of this, one of my students who, uh, uh, was some of the guys, everybody, most people are like, yeah, castle. <laughs> right. I mean, who's not going to go train in the castle? You know, that's right. This castle had been totally rebuilt. So it had central heat, you know, had mm-hmm. you know, proper bathrooms, plenty of them too. So it was nobody had trouble like, you know, waiting for the bathroom or whatever is all plenty of baths and showers for everybody afterwards. So it was completely rebuilt really nice. And, um, uh, we got there and we drove up from the South. I first taught some seminars down in, uh, Essex, Essex, which is, uh, East of London down on the South coast. So we drove all the way up to Edinburgh and then over to, over to the, to the castle. And is what the guy who drove me up was one of the guys who was like, I don't know. I was sure this is going to be good. And we got there and it's like, Oh, this is great. <laughs> we got inside and looked around. He's like, Oh, this is great. I said, all right, I'm eating crow. You're right. This is really good. <laughs> and so, so that was fun. I mean, you know, it makes it, makes it a little bit, you know, more fun than having in a hotel or whatever. And it's nice. You know, we had, um, uh, eight, how many do we have there? Um, we had a dozen students. So the, you know, we'd have that many people. It's nice for everybody to get together because people came from, you know, UK, Scotland, uh, Poland, Estonia, mm. uh, Singapore, awesome. you know. So we had wow. people from all over. The one guy came from the US, one of the better guys came over there in the US to trade. So, you know, we all get together, see each other at seminars, but we don't, you know, and all sort of living together, you know. So it was nice for those few days that we could all be together and hang out and, you know, after a day's training, have a beer by the fire and, you know, all that kind of thing was quite nice. The camaraderie of, of your, your Marshall brothers, you know, mm-hmm. so that was good. And, and I'm doing that because I think one thing that teachers often don't do that they should do, uh, at least in my opinion, do is prepare for the time that they're not going to be teaching. And I, mm-hmm. I'm not going to teach forever. I've told my students, you know, there's going to be a time when you can call me up and be like, nope, <laughs> no, I'm in the garden. I'm having do my own thing. You know, uh, at some point I'm not going to teach till I, you know, I, well, I imagine I will keep doing something until I drop dead, but I'm not going to keep traveling around and travel is, you know, it's mm-hmm. great to go places. You know, I've been, you know, Poland, Estonia, Germany, France, you know, England, Scotland, uh, you know, Australia, around the U.S., Canada, all those places are great. And, you know, uh, did I say Netherlands? Netherlands. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, 
and meet, meeting all those people and finding the people who are really serious, you know, who really want to get the art. That's fantastic. And spending time with them, getting to know them. It's great. But going there, being on planes is, it's no fun. Mm. You know, yeah. I, I know more about planes and airports than anybody who's not a pilot should know. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's come a time where like enough's enough, you know, I'm not going to keep doing it forever. So I'm, I want to, you know, share the art, pass it on. And I think anybody who loves any art really loves it, wants to share it, you know? Um, mm -hmm. so there are, I have apprentice students and, uh, I'm going to do everything I can to, pass on everything I got to them, you know, and then they'll take over, you know, and if I can generate more than just me, that's, you know, this, I'm not the only one. And, you know, like uh, one, when my Estonian student, Roland Tepp is one of the guys, uh, you know, he'll probably be teaching in Europe, you know, the Northern part of Europe he'll have. And then, uh, you know, like I have Di Andrews here in the States. I'm sure he'll do take over some of the stuff in the States and, there's guys in the UK. There's a Paul Andrews. Is a is a Shingy mm -hmm. Academy. You may know him. Yep. He's in, in the UK. So we have a you know enough guys here and there that each one will sort of have their territory. Of course, it's going to be up to them. They're going to have to prove themselves. They're going to have to build it. They're going to have to mm. work with their students. But you know you have to prepare people for this. You just can't one day go. You know next year that's it. That's my last seminar. Right. And then there's a scramble. Oh my God, what are we going to do? And how to, so prepare people now, make sure they know all of the exercises, you know, that the, the, there's a knowledge base that you want to make sure, okay, they got that. And then you have to have trained it and then they got to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, every day at those teacher retreats, it's just going at it, going at it, going at it, going at it again. Lunch. All right. Got your sword. Let's go. Let's go again. And then coaching them through, you know, I don't think that's any different than he did in the past, too. I don't think that's anything unique. I think it's just what we should be doing, right? So we're going <laughs> to. So we are. <laughs> Is there anything, Sifu, in your current teaching, your model of teaching that might differ from from your teacher? Besides the online, of course. Uh, well, yeah, that's, of course, very, there was no online. Of um, course. Yeah, I think perhaps, you know, it depends on, you know, time and place and situations change. Uh, Wang Laoshi, he was in the military. Um, there's this thing earlier, and he was a very high officer in a warlord army, in Yan Shishan's army. And so he, he was in the South and, and retreated with the nationalist troops to Taiwan. And his teacher, uh, excuse me, his, his warlord, uh, Yan Shishan tried to overthrow Chiang Kai-shek and didn't succeed. Uh, and, wow. And, yeah. So <laughs> not a good position to be in. And wow. So Wang Lashur, who was then a colonel, he nationalized all those different troops, warlord armies and national army into one. He was a colonel. Uh, he realizes no more career for him in the military, right? Because right. his, Yen Shishan was put under house arrest for the rest of his life. So uh, that his military career was over and he was uh, uh, didn't, I don't think he didn't know what he was going to do. And he was just in the park practicing. And of course, in those days, I guess this would have been about 1950, I guess. I don't know the exact year. Uh, 
nobody knew what Taiji Chen was in Taiwan. No one had heard of, tai, of Taiji Chen. You know, it's funny. Everybody in the world's heard of Taiji Chen now, but in Taiwan, they literally had no idea what the heck Taiji was. So he was in the park practicing one day and a guy came over and looked at him and said, what, what is this? What are you doing? He said, it was Taiji Chen. And the guy said, uh, is it any good? <laughs> and he said, can you fight with it? And he said, yeah, you know, and the guy said, well, can I try you? And he said, well, what are you going to try? What do you want to try? And the guy said, how about I try to push you? Which of course is for Taiji guy. That sounds hilarious. You're going to try to push me. Sure. And right. he tried to push him. And of course that, that didn't do well. He tried to push him and he lost his balance. And then and they're trying to master Wong bounced him back. And he's like, this is pretty good. You, do you teach? And Wang Lasher said, well, he hadn't been teaching. He never taught before. We taught, he'd been a hand to hand combat instructor in the military, but he hadn't really taught Taiji Chen the way like we think of it nowadays. And he said, uh, well, if you get 10 people together, I'll do it. And the guy did. And that's how he started teaching Taiji Chen. So it was, uh, it wasn't like he thought, all right, well, I'm going to start a school now. He just, uh, it came that way. And, um, I think at that time, so he, he was teaching. So more and more people sort of slowly came. And he, so he had a rather large school when I found him and because he visited Robert Smith and I went to Taiwan to study with him. He had, oh, I don't know, probably a couple of hundred students. Uh, just mm. lots of wow. students. A great deal of students. So probably the way things evolved at that time, um, it just grew into that. And so I think that perhaps I never asked him this and he didn't say to my knowledge, but I think he might have been thinking like, okay, I need to, now that I'm doing this, I should really preserve the art and teach a lot of people. And he did. And so there's a lot of people practicing this particular system, this Yang Jiami Chen, Taiji Chen system. Uh, there's more in Europe than here in the U.S. Um, so I think that it sort of uh, solidified the art, preserved the art in that sense. But I'm, so I think Wang Lasher kind of taught the masses, so to speak. Uh, and I'm not interested in that. I mm-hmm. want to teach people who are going to, try to do their best to go deeply into the art, uh, make something special for themselves, and then have a high level of skill so they can pass the art on again in the future. So, because I said, I won't be here forever. And I'm not worried about it. You know, I've known people who uh, give up their life to the art. I think that's a big mistake. Uh, I think I could have made that mistake, but I... Early, early on when I was living kind of like a hermit by myself in a, an apartment with no furniture or just teaching and training all the time, you know, I think a lot of us go through that, that, that call it, call it a monk phase kind of, you know, just training, training, training all the time, six hours every morning kind of thing, you know. Um, I read, I read a, a book where the guy said, don't dedicate your life to the art, dedicate the art to your life. Mm. I love that. That's good because because I think I could have slipped down that slope because I was very you know gung ho and you know hundred uh, percent or you know whatever you call it and uh, that's a big mistake and I've seen teachers who've done that and later in life they've got nothing their family life is usually not good their health is bad because sometimes they overtrained themselves they didn't know when to take a break and take care of their health as well as their you know, their desire to enjoy the art. They don't have some, I mean, they don't have anything else aside the art. You know, I, I really like to do other things. You know, I'm, you know, I said, uh, I recently now they're not traveling, uh, really enjoying the bonsai. You know, it's 
wonderful art. And I try to encourage anybody who's a martial artist to also practice some other, I don't know what to call it, decorative art or, you know, not, not a non-martial art. Art. I, lo- I love art. that. You mentioned that on Ken's podcast. Like, go play a guitar. Go learn to cook Yeah, whatever something. it is, you know. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's good or other people like it or just do it. And you find that it's interesting because we all talk about, or many of us at least talk about, this is a martial way, right? This is a way of life. Well, if you're only, your only application is hitting other people, then that's not a way of life. That's just mm. beating up on people. Yeah. So... I want to be able to use what I understand. I can sense what somebody's doing in swordplay. I can move with them and flow with it, do the sticking and falling, whatever you like to, to how you refer to it, and move and countercut and do my, you know, flow with it. You know, uh, can I do that when I'm looking at a tree? You know, I don't want to just make it a, a tr- you know, so a bonsai is not a tree in a pot that I bent to make it look like I want. It should be the condensation of nature. You know, it's originally a Taoist art and practice. So it, it's like the essence of nature. So you have mm-hmm. to be quiet in my mind. I mean, other people may disagree with me and I'm no, no, uh, you know, great master of bonsai art. But when I, I want to sit there for a moment and my mind is clear and quiet. So like, ah, just like you're facing somebody sort and they come at you, you know, the, when, when you really have a bout with somebody, somebody who's good. You ask me afterwards what happened, I can't tell you because I'm not in that same kind of mind. I can think about it later and I can sort of reconstruct the feeling, but there's no thinking kind of mind. And that's, I want to use that mind when I'm drawing, when I'm painting, when I'm, and then when I'm working on the trees, I don't want to force my will on it. I want to find what's there. And I, I hope, I believe I'm doing it in this old, old way, you could say. I'm not making a sculpture. So at least I hope don't. <laughs> well, I should confess, sometimes I probably am. But, you know, uh, and I think this way, if we take this martial art and we work hard to achieve something special in the martial art, then it comes a useful martial way that we can do in any kind of how you drive your car, how you talk to people, you know. So that's, that's awesome. Not if you're all you're going to do is hit somebody. Maybe that's not like what, like William Chen that night. He could hit that guy and the guy wake up tomorrow. I mean, he's fast and powerful. <laughs> he could have just bang, knocked that guy, knocked him right out. But why? Mm. You know, is that mm-hmm. all you got? You know, you got two settings off and death ray. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of other yeah. things in between. So, so yeah, so I, I hope everybody, people listen this long. <laughs> it's a long discussion, but if people do, I, I hope that they will think about that and, and just try something, you know, I'm actually, you know, I'm sorry, I'm going on about this, but please know, do, with, with please do. Yeah. I, it's hard to find the right pot. <laughs> and so mm. I got some local guys I'm getting to know. I want to make my own pots. Because then I get the pot I need. You know, sometimes you, it's amazing. There's thousands of pots online, but you need, I want this type, because it's what looks right for that tree, the right side. I just, I want to go make my own pots. So that's awesome. Why I, love it. I, I love it. Crappy, I love it. I love it. You make another one. Mm-hmm. Right. I bet you the first one will <laughs> look like an amoeba. <laughs> Part of the learning process. Yeah, Start, right? Starting and, all over. And enjoy that process. Right. 
You know, nothing mm-hmm. wrong with nothing wrong with uh, you know people are so afraid to to you know get a bruise today, but also like to to show that oh look I always say look look at my nose you can tell I did Sancho <laughs> right I got banged up I'm lucky that I didn't get really badly hurt you know really lucky you know I know lots of guys who I'm sure you know them too who said yeah I wish I did twenty thirty percent less because they got injuries <laughs> when they're older they they pay those injuries come back. Mm-hmm. I'm really Although, lucky that I didn't get any really severe injuries, but, but you know, don't try to keep face in front of everybody. Just do it. Yeah. I think along those same lines, I was going to ask you about uh, your archery practice and how, how, how did, how did you sort of come about, you know, getting into archery? Well, <clears throat> when I was uh, younger, when I was a little boy and up through uh, high school, I shot quite a lot. Uh, oh, okay. And I used to, I was interested in different types of archery, just kind of curious. And so, uh, and I was a hunter, uh, I hunted deer and, uh, I really quite liked hunting that way. Um, when you become a Dallas, you're not supposed to kill anymore. So I, I gave up hunting. Um, and I can understand why, because it, not just the words like Wong Lao would have said, you know, it changes your heart, but, uh, I hadn't hunted in many years. And when I went, first went over to Soviet Union, some of my, my students there, they, they couldn't pay me anything, you know, but, uh, they had no, nothing, you know, but, uh, uh, they could do things, you know, what well, would you like to go, you know, whatever. And they said, well, we could take you hunting, could have gone uh, bear hunting or something. Mm-hmm. And there was a part of me that was like, Ooh, that would be, you know, but it's interesting how you start thinking about it. You can feel, yeah, inside it's different. When you're going out to kill, it's not like, you know, uh, you just defended yourself. You're, you're stalking and you're going to kill. So it's, it's different. Um, but in the forest, when you're by yourself, you go out when it's pitch black and you creep into the forest and wait for the sun to come up and then you stalk game. You have to be very quiet. You have to have, li- you have to listen. Uh, you know, you have to, walk without making sound or is you hard to walk without making any sound, but you have to walk and make it sound like you're a deer walking. Uh, that's being in the forest in a very different way. I don't think rifle hunters are that way. It could be wrong, but I said, I didn't hunt with rifle, but with a bow, you have to be very close to nature. I think to hunt uh, successfully, you know, you can tramp around through the forest with your bow and get nothing. But if you're going to even see a deer and get close enough to shoot, you know, you're talking about 10 meters, mm-hmm. you know, to get really close. And the deer know you're out. They know it's hunting season. They're, they're watching. They're, they're scared. So, uh, so they're really hyped. So, so I'd done, I'd done fairly serious archery and that archery is different. Hunting archery, you have to shoot from all different positions and practice twisting your body and leaning this way because you, you never know the situation you're going to be in. Um, it's not like target archery where you know where you're going to stand and where the, where the target is. Um, mm. so I'd always done that, but then, you know, going to college and living in the city, I didn't shoot for many years. Um, but just in the cons, like sort of, I think those of us doing, if you go really deep into martial arts, there's a feeling like you want to be completely well-rounded as a martial artist. And when we think of martial arts today, we think of, of striking or grappling or something like that. But in the past, you know, just like soldiers today, I mean, if you're a soldier, they may give you a knife, 
But if you're fighting with your knife, man, you're in tr- <laughs> that's exactly you've done right. wrong, yeah. right? Yeah. You you would be you should be using your rifle or even better, how about we call on an airstrike and they hit them when they're ten miles away? You know? Mm-hmm. You want to hit people out at range. And so pre you know, pre modern times in Qing dynasty, that was would have been bow and matchlock. So uh they did quite a lot of guns. People tend to think they bow was a big thing for them. Uh, and you could say that the bow for the Manchu bannerman was like I say the katana would be for a samurai. Mm-hmm. That's why you see they wore a thumb ring. Mm-hmm. If you see Manchu bannerman, that was sort of a sign that you were a bannerman. You're a Manchu chiren. You had that thumb ring, huh. right? Samurai would have carried their two swords, right? But they, it's not so easy to walk around with a bow and arrows all the time. <laughs> They're kind of. Kind of big, you know, to walk around. So they always wore that as a symbol of they're the member of the warrior class. Hmm. So bow was a very important part of the martial way, you could say. And so I was interested in sort of, you know, expanding that and again, using hmm. proper body mechanics. And then when I started researching it, unfortunately, I had a, one of my good students here is a, a native speaker helped a great deal because it's hard to read in classical Chinese is not easy. And uh, I can't freely read it. My Chinese is okay. I don't want to pretend that I'm fluent. I'm, I'm, uh, I have a functional level of Chinese. I can speak mm-hmm. and travel around and get something to eat, find out where the bathroom is, you know, mm-hmm. all the important like that, stuff, you know, where to go, you know, uh, hello, how are you? And the basic, basic stuff is okay. And it's curious. I could always understand Master Long talking about martial arts. So I have a very specialized vocabulary, mm-hmm. but I can't understand the news because I don't know the, the words for secretary of state or, you know, we're re- building a new highway. I would would only catch some of the words. But if Master Wang could talk all day about sword, I'd think, man, my Chinese is getting good. And then we'd go someplace else, and I would understand half of what was being said. So, um, <laughs> you know, well, that's that's the way it is. But um, uh, so so we looked at those classics, and if you look at the body mechanics, first of all, they they the, these old writings, old manual, archery manuals say that this is just like boxing. This is mm. just like Chen. So it's, they look mm. at that as being the same kind of thing. And so there's body mechanics, the way you open your body. And, uh, in, in, in Taiji Chen, we say, for example, is Han Xiong Bao Bei, haul the chest and lift the back. They say Han Xiong Chu Bi. Han Xiong, uh, Chu Bi means, uh, crook the elbow. Bi, Bi means the arm or, or mm-hmm. limb, limb. So, uh, not arm means limb, Chu Bi. So there's very similar, I would say the same body mechanics stuff. So it's just sort of a natural extension. And I would say that archery is kind of like a one movement form. So archery is kind of, uh, you know, like on, on, on a day off where you want to, I need a day off from practice. I can't have a heavy practice today, but you want to do something. Archery is great, you know, because you, you have to you inhale, you draw and oh, exhale and release. That's it. One movement form. And you do six one movement forms and you walk to the target. <laughs> so, so it's a nice practice. You have to focus your mind intent, focus your body, but it's, uh, not like say doing, you know, an hour and a half of form or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know? But it is physically, of course, it is also physically demanding and it's different. Of course, you're, you're drawing instead of pushing most time we're striking, pushing forward, right? Yes. But with a bow, you're pulling. So it's a nice balance for that as well. So, hmm. but I don't get to do it nearly as much, you know, the, with the pandemic as, as I would like the pandemic changed 
well, life for everybody. Um, we were, I was about to have the first instructor's training that we have through the, the Academy of Chinese Swordsmanship over in England had rented the castle and then uh, everything because it wasn't going anywhere. And yeah. just talking with a student there who did IT work. And I said, what about this webinar thing? Uh, hmm. You know, I never tried it before, but what do you think? And we said, well, let's try it. And it, it it's taken, it's worked very well. Honestly, it worked better than I thought it would. I'm uh, seeing a big difference when people come to in-person seminars, they're ready as opposed mm. to not having anything, just, just knowing, knowing the basic cuts, knowing combinations of cuts, knowing footwork, knowing the names. So when you talk about it, they're not trying to remember all these odd, you know, Mandarin terms. Um, that's been really, I think it's, I think that combination, because if people spread out, you know, I got online, I may have somebody in Texas and in France and in Estonia <laughs> and in Canada and God knows Mexico even and, uh, some people in the Middle East, uh, you know, in the Islamic world, all online at the same time. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to see those guys at seminars at the same time. Yeah. But, and when there are seminars, people from whatever region close to that region will go. So when I'm in Europe, they go and, you know, some Americans will sometimes go back and forth to Europeans. So that's, that's worked really well, but. We, for nearly two years, worked seven days a week on it. Hmm. So I tell anybody, wow. if you think of an online program, better be ready to work hard on it. I was just going to say, that is, that's, that's heavy lifting right there. Yeah, that's crazy. always something. I mean, if you want to, you know, well, basically, I don't think of what I do as a business, but it's basically like starting a new business from scratch. Hmm. If you opened up a business tomorrow, you better plan on working 12 hours a day for seven days a yep. week or your business is going to yep. fail. There's always something and happily we, and we have a, we have a full-time IT guy. Wow. Be able to hire and pay a full-time IT guy. We had to make it work. Yep. Right. We had to, had to bring in, had to have a certain number of students. So, so because of that, unfortunately, I've not been able to shoot like I'd like to because just boom, 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 boom. (laughs) But it's coming back, has to come back. You know, I'll have to, I'll have to rebuild my calluses and start with a light bow again, but that's okay. Good. Good. Cool. Owen, do you have any other questions? No, I don't think so. I have a few. I have okay. A few. Not, not too many. I know it's long, but we That's bring all right. I just, I don't know if anybody's going to listen this long, but I'm <laughs> well, what we do, what we do, Sifu, is we actually break it into two sections. Two, two pieces. So we'll have Man, a section this one may need to be three. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds hey, that's, good. That's all good. Is there something unique in the Tai Chi that you received from your teacher? that you do not see in other Yang styles. Maybe it's a two-man set. Maybe it's a power training method. Maybe it's a way to look at at push hands or Sancho. Is there something you're like, I've never seen that anywhere else in the Yang? I'd say that the um, one thing is, is, is was presented as a complete system. So I yes. think that the other styles of Taiji trend would have had everything that we've got, but they it tends to – it's become very – fractionated you know so mm. this all existed within not just when the young styles taiji chen but i think in all the different chinese martial arts all different styles they had all that stuff <clears throat> but it's just gotten you know it's fallen by the wayside i mean very few people do spear training anymore um and it's 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 the most difficult physically the most difficult but it's great training i mean it power it is the top of the power training so just that you have that component available uh, so to have a complete set of push ends, basic exercises that work 
all your skills systematically that you have then, you know, the weapons trading and all of that. And each one, each thing builds on the next, but they also, it's like, it's an, it's a web. They all interact with each other and, you know, doing the spear, you learn how to fudging well and how to push. And then you put that into your push hands. And then when you're doing your form that, you know, your form changes a little bit because you realize, okay, I should have had my elbows here instead of sticking up there. And so that's, they're all constantly feeding back into each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but structurally, as, as far as the form is concerned, this Michuan system has, uh, absorbed things from a variety of, of martial arts. So when Yang Luchan was in Beijing, um, you know, he, they, Chetso. Chetso means that you have a, a bout. You know, it's okay. It's a good bout. We're going to, we're going to go, but I'm not trying to kill you. You're not trying to kill me. And if you have a good bout with somebody, you may be, Later on, you're having tea. You might say, "How'd you, you do that?" Caught, right? You caught me with that. What was that thing you did? You that technique? I mean, I. What did you do? That was a good one. And if you're friends, you sometimes you're not going to give away your stuff. But you know, if there's a mutual respect, there could be some exchange. And so, in the Mitron system, you see a lot of good stepping that you don't generally see. Uh, most Taiji training, the feet are fixed for the empty hand form, and it starts seeing the movement. Uh, and more stepping in the weapon systems. But in the Mitron system, for example, we absorb the half stepping from Shingi Chen. So you see that half stepping is right in there from the beginning. Um, and there's also snake stepping and other, uh, also the, 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 the plum blossom stepping that you see in the wow. Da Hong Tren and Xiao Hong Tren. Mm. Most people understand that Yang Luchan learned a uh, type of Northern Shaolin before he studied Taiji Tren and then created his own system. So that stepping patterns that you see in this, this, uh, plum blossom stepping you see in those styles that Da Hong Tren and Xiao Hong Tren that Yang Luchan practiced are also in the Mutuan system. Hmm. So this was the one that he kept to himself and only in his family, you know, so, uh, you know, it has the, the, you know, it has the secret sauce in it, <laughs> you know, has that stepping kind of work, uh, that's very, very useful. Uh, it's one thing you see. I mean, even if you see professional fighters, if one guy stepping is better than the other, even just a little bit better, it makes a quite a difference, right? And that's often a hole, I think, in people's training. I like to drill a lot of footwork because it's often the thing that's lacking. So I think that's, uh, structurally one thing that's really, uh, quite different. It, it's also works off the, <clears throat> off the back leg more instead of the bow posture. Uh, so that, is physically different. I found it very interesting because I had come up through Chen Man Jing's lineage, and that was, you know, what I would call the public young style. That's the things that were taught publicly, and that's bow posture based. Most mm-hmm. Taiji Chen is based on bow posture, and the Mitron system is kind of, you might say, like a reverse bow posture. Instead of being 70 30 front loaded, you're 80 20 back loaded. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. what that did for me was I realized. You know, you get dogmatic. You think Pung is this, you know, this is what a ward off is and a push is this. And, and it, it is, that's correct, but you're stuck in that format, right? You can, you only think of a ward off being that physical structure. Well, okay. And it is, it is, but you're dogmatic. Can you do Pung any other way? And so mm. now you had to, when I had to do Pung mm. from the back leg and, you know, wait, wait in the back, I said, wait. And that I found, I, I, I've often said it's like when you learn a new language, when you learn wow. a second language, 
somehow it improves the way you speak English or whatever your first language is, you know, in some odd fashion. I don't know how that works, uh, but it does feel like you somehow you, you've improved your thinking. So you're maybe you're more free. So I think that having learned, you know, come up originally through Jen Manjing's lineage with Smith and, and Liang and Chen, and then uh, part of the time also started into the Mitron system that it really freed me of that dogma that I didn't realize I had. And these are both systems that originate from Yang Wuchang. So it's not like I did. I think that's something we have to be careful about. Nowadays, people practice, you know, they say, oh, what'd you do? Well, I learned six different martial arts. And they go, well, what'd you do? Well, I did this for two years and I did that for three years and I did a year and a half with this guy. It's like, mm-hmm. well, what you're telling me is that you've been a beginner six times. Mm-hmm. I mean, you may have enough stuff that you can play well, but you're six times a beginner. What if you had just done one art really deeply and really did that sure. art, not just the stuff you learn in the first two years, but really did that art. So, so I would, I don't suggest people say, learn Taiji Chen and, and, you know, you know, I don't know, Korean, whatever, you know, or, you know, Japanese karate or something like that. They're using the body. They're developing the body in very different ways. But in this case, this is all within the young family's sphere, if you will. So, so I think that worked well for me. So I, I was just dumb luck. I didn't plan. <laughs> I wish I could say I was really smart and I planned all this and figured it out. I, I didn't. It was just, I was lucky. And it made sometimes, sense. And sometimes after, luck is a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> Very much. So I really, I really feel I've been extraordinarily fortunate, the teachers that I've met and, uh, and that they were also willing to give it to me, you know, mm. so, but mm. I, had to, I had to earn it. I had to earn it. You know, uh, we are going on a long time, but, no, but you know, yeah. I think one thing that people misunderstand today is it, I definitely misunderstood with Wang Laosher was they would say, well, you know, when the student's ready, the teacher will give it to him. That's nonsense. Now I got this stuff. I kept asking them. Mm. You got to go after it. You sit around. I mean, when teaching the spear, Master Wang didn't teach you the spear. I asked them, teaching me spears. Ah, what do you want to learn spear for? It's inconvenient. It's so long. I was like, well, I really want to learn. It's like, ah. So I would go to the school at night and I would, before class, and I would do it. And then after class, I would, I would ask them. And he would one time picked up a pencil out of his thing and he just showed, he didn't even get up even like this, but I kept doing it. And then he, I proved it like, okay, sure. I kept doing it. And then I want this. Yeah. Then he said, okay, you did, the, you're doing the work, you know, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. see you doing the work because most people won't. The pole just sat there by the, you know, against the wall. No one ever used it. And now I'm using it and I kept using it and I kept, is this right? Is this correct? And then he corrected me. And then once, then, then you know, okay, next year when you've showed you're really still doing it, then you get corrections and they, then you really teach it to you. So right. I think that's how my, as I said earlier, my view of Master Long is quite different, I think, than many of my classmates. Mm-hmm. So, Wow. Well, thank you. My yeah. pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. So, so what are you up to? Real, real quick. This is a wrap up question. What are you okay. up to? What's our next seminar? Are you working on a book right now? Yeah. Do you have something you want to promote? Uh, book wise. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've got to get, I've got stuff that I've got, I've always got too many uh, great projects to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've always got, I've always got at least half a dozen, um, 
video projects that I want to do, mm-hmm. uh, uh, swords that I want to do them on and, and, you know, or talking about swordsmanship. Uh, I've got a collection of matchlocks from the Qing dynasty and I've got mm-hmm. a series planned for that and some, People help me do the translations. That's really tricky to translate that stuff. I probably couldn't have done it on my own. Uh, so I had that translate. I, I got that I want to do and I want to, uh, fire some of them blank ground. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, they're old. I'm not going to fire with a, bullet, sure. you know, uh, a, a ball would be a ball. Uh, so I got that I got to want to do. Um, book wise, I've got my, my book, uh, Swordsman's Notebook that's been sitting in this computer forever that I just got to, you know, that was the thing. That's why that's a kind of, it sounds terrible to say, but in some ways the pandemic's been good for me because it's given me a chance to not be on planes and start doing some more of those other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got to, I just got to lay it out and just have, when you're, you know, when you, when you go away for two weeks and you come back, you, you can't say I'm taking a week off because the student's been covering for you for two weeks, right. you know? So, yeah. uh, so that's going to do the seminars coming up, uh, going be back in England in, uh, May. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we're going to do more intensives because I'm, um, working with the people out in St. Paul quite a lot. Uh, so that's going to keep going and training the next, next generation mm-hmm. so I can retire and let them do the work. <laughs> so you still, are you, can people reach you through your website? Yes. Uh, so, uh, grtc.org. So, mm-hmm. uh, G, G is George, R is River, T is Tom, C is Charlie.org. Or the look uh, just to search for the Academy of Chinese Swordsmanship that we sort of created that as a separate entity with its own portal, mm-hmm. um, and that's a Chinese uh, right? Chinese Sword Academy dot com. Okay. But if you just look up that right, I never go to my own website to think of what the heck it is. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I hear you. It's Academy of Chinese Sword Chinese Sword Academy dot com. That's right. Okay. I never go to my own website to think of what I think of what yeah. it was. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys. It was really, really good. I hope to see see you guys at a seminar. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Stephen Scott, have a blessed day. Take care. Stay strong.